0: Politics, politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finnelli. Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders, Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli.
1: Good afternoon. This is Dean Finelli. Welcome to Politics and Life Science Radio. I'm your host, Dean Finelli. I'm an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us today. A lot going on and still the major news stories pretty much exclusively in the life science industry are revolving around the COVID vaccine and the acceleration of hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, So it's really not been Uh, the most positive news lately, but the good news is we have two vaccines authorized. Unfortunately, a large segment of the population seems like they're not interested in getting the vaccine, whether they believe it's not safe, the development was rushed, or they just don't understand, you know, why it's so important to have a vaccine. Uh, About only 50% of adults in the U.S. have said they they would take the vaccine uh, according to a lot of sources, it looks like it's going to take up to 75% of the population to get to this herd immunity. So we're definitely going to have to get more people convinced that the vaccine is safe and more importantly, convinced to go out and get the vaccine. Um, in addition, the there's a lot of information regarding a lot of questions out there. You know, does what does the vaccine do? Does the vaccine prevent me from getting the, getting infected does it prevent me from getting these severe symptoms does it am i completely protected and one of the big questions that has come up is if you're vaccinated does that provide protection against transmitting the virus and that's a big question particularly as it pertains to everyone's tired of wearing these masks you know will you still have to wear a mask after you get vaccinated and it looks like based on information out of the who the world health organization Uh, that we do need to still wear masks because it looks like once people are vaccinated, that they can uh, still transmit the virus. That means they they still are infected. So the vaccine is not preventing infection, but rather it's just preventing the progression of the uh, virus in the body to cause these serious uh, symptoms and hospitalizations as well as uh, Americans having to be put on ventilators. So uh, that's important information. Uh, just to reiterate, if you have been vaccinated, you know, about two million Americans received their first shot so far. Uh, once you get that second shot, it's still necessary to wear that mask because uh, it doesn't look like that getting the vaccine will prevent transmission. In addition, you know, as more Americans get vaccinated and more individuals throughout the world get vaccinated, you know, what's the protocols going to be going forward? You know, when we get back to normal, whenever that is. Do we have to, you know, prove somehow that you've been vaccinated? Do you have to have, you know, show your license? Is something going to be tagged to your license where they could scan it and say, yes, you've been vaccinated? Or is it something where we're going to need some type of vaccination passport, you know, to get into a movie theater or a sporting event or to even get on an airplane? So there are some of the discussions that are coming out. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, One of uh, the other interesting things is we're hearing a lot about therapeutics, a lot about vaccines. Uh, You know, what types of natural remedies can we use? You know, our immune systems are just incredible. And for centuries, they worked, you know, without vaccines. Certainly, vaccinations have, you know, changed the course of history by curing and preventing a lot of terrible diseases. But there's a lot of information out there that naturally we can take supplements vitamins a vitamin b vitamin d that could boost the immune system as well as eating foods just to have healthier lifestyles and our guest today on politics and life science radio is a nutritional pharmacist mr ben fuchs he's going to talk to us about you know in addition to the therapeutics and vaccines what can we do naturally to help ourselves to improve our immune systems to just overall be healthier. So it'll be great to hear his perspectives today on Politics and Life Science Radio. We're looking forward to hearing that in a few moments. I thank you all for joining us. Hello, this is Dean Finelli, and you're listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio, where we talk about the interplay of politics and how that affects the life science industry. There's been a lot of information, as we mentioned, relating to the vaccine, and everyone's thinking the only way, you know, we treat this is through therapeutics or through vaccines that are Have been developed very quickly just to target the virus. Uh, I'm very happy today to talk to uh, Mr. Ben Fuchs. He's a nutritional pharmacist specializing in nutritional supplements so he's going to give us some ideas about you know what other things that naturally, naturally occurring supplements or supplements we can pick up at the store that can help in addition to these vaccines. Ben it's great to have you and I also should mention that Ben is the host of the Bright Side radio show a nationally syndicated radio program on the Genesis Communications Radio Network. Uh, ben, great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm honored, Dean. So,
1: so again, as I, mentioned, I was I am, mentioning... I, oh, sorry, please.
2: Yeah, I was, you mentioned I'm a nutritional pharmacist, and I, I love the, the confluence of those two terms, because when people think about pharmacy, they typically think about drugs. But the tradition of pharmacy wasn't in drugs. The idea of drugs... And pharmacy being one and the same it really is a comes from uh, began in the mid 19th century when the drug industry was born. Previous to that, the pharmacist made medicine, but the medicine was botanical because they didn't have drugs. So organic chemistry wasn't around until about 1820 or so Pr- uh, prior to that. Uh, Pharmacists was making what we call today natural medicines. And that's what pharmacy was about today. The way I look at pharmacy is it's, the, uh, the science of using substances from outside the body to interact with the biochemistry inside the body. And if you use that as the definition of pharmacy, you expand the spectrum of therapeutic agents. Food becomes a pharmaceutical preparation, for example. And we know that nothing can change your biochemistry as, as, as systematically as the foods that we eat. That's just one example. Of course, the active ingredients are in foods, the nutrients in foods, could also be considered pharmacy if you expand the definition of pharmacy. And so when I think of nutritional pharmacy, I think of using nutrients the way most people think of using drugs. And so uh, when it comes to the immune system, there's a whole host of nutrients that have immune-boosting benefits and immune-boosting properties. And there's a whole host of foods, for example, that have uh, 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 immune-boosting and immune-supporting properties, but we never talk about those. In fact, for some reason or another, with this whole COVID thing that's coming out, everything's become medicalized. It's all about drugs, and it's all about the vaccine. Nobody's talking about using things like zinc and vitamin C and selenium and sulfur and glutathione builders and foods like mushrooms, for example, or uh, citrus fruits, for example, or uh, uh, protein-rich foods, uh, amino acid-dense foods, things like eggs and uh, seafood. Uh, there's so many ways that we could build the immune system pharmaceutically without pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutically in, tr- uh, in terms of using foods as, and nutrients as as we would use drugs. So I love the term nutritional pharmacist. Uh, that's, I kind of came up with it myself, but it, it really says a lot more than just two words. It says using things that are considered to be nutrients or using things that aren't or ordinarily considered to be drugs as, we, as if we would use drugs.
1: Well, that was a great intro, and that leads me to into the first question. So what can people do uh, naturally uh, to, uh, you know, that are nervous about COVID, and what, what would you recommend people do or take? What type well, of food, what uh, type uh, of supplementation? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: before I get into that, I'll tell you a whole bunch of different things. It's not just things that we take. Things like breathing can help support the immune system, activating the parasympathetic nervous system through relaxation techniques, meditation, uh, exercise, jumping up and down on a rebounder, using uh, warm baths to, to improve oxygenation of tissues. We know for COVID is uh, uh, one of the major mechanisms of action of uh, the coronavirus inducing COVID is, is oxygenation, oxygenation of tissues. So. Anything you do to improve oxygenation, non, not, not talking about taking things, just lifestyle kinds of strategies. Uh, and we also know that stress amplifies cortisol, which has an immune, immune suppressant effect. So using psychological strategies to relax. See, all these different things that we think of, we don't ordinarily think of as being involved in health have, play a huge impact on whether or not we're sick. We've become, we've, we've allowed the medical model The pharmaceutical medical model to to uh, to become the only way that we look at improving our health. So I'll tell you a few supplements and a few foods that we can use. There's a lot of them actually, but it's not just supplements and foods. It's also lifestyle strategies. As far as supplements and foods go, you know, I used to talk about zinc all the time as far as being an immune booster. I've been I don't know if you know this, but one of my specialties is dermatology and skin, and zinc is like a almost like a cure for certain skin diseases. Zinc is stored in the skin. Hmm. Zinc deficiencies associated with lesions and slow wound healing and uh, disruptions in the production of collagen and acne. So I used to talk about zinc all the time. I was so gratified to see that when COVID started uh, back in March and in April, you couldn't get zinc for a while. I don't know if you know this. People go to the to the health store get their zinc and the shelves would all be empty because people were we're hearing all of a sudden that zinc was important for the immune system. And indeed, zinc is one of the most powerful immune boosting of all, su- of all the supplements you could take, zinc picolinate specifically. A lot of times people take, this is just a little digression here, a lot of times people take zinc and they'll take the wrong form of zinc. Minerals have come in different forms. The, the drugstore form of zinc is zinc gluconate or sometimes zinc sulfate and a lot of people get upset stomachs from that. So you want zinc picolinate or zinc monomethionine, Or even zinc glycinate, 50 milligrams a day, must have for the immune system. Absolutely. And and one of the neat things about supplementation is while you have to worry about side effects with drugs, with nutrients and nutritional supplementation, you get beneficial effects. So you get beneficial side effects. So you'll take your zinc for your immune system, you're going to have better skin, you'll have better nails, and maybe even better hair. You'll have better digestive system because better digestion because zinc is important for the production of hydrochloric acid in the stomach. So zinc's a must-have. Whenever you take zinc, you always want to balance it out with copper. There's an inverse relationship between the two, and the more zinc you take, the the lower your copper levels will be. So you want to take zinc and copper together. Vitamin C is so incredible from a molecular standpoint and from a supplemental standpoint that it's hard to even describe how, how vital that stuff is. First of all, the vitamin C molecule is incredibly simple, but the simplicity of it belies its pluripotency. In other words, it's got so many things that it's involved with. And then when you look at how simple the molecule is, it's just hard to, hard to fathom how such a tiny little simple molecule as ascorbic acid could have so many different effects. Of course, it's incredibly important for white blood cells and for the immune system, but it's also the rate-limiting step in collagen production. It plays a major role in the health of the circulatory system, and the cardiovascular system. In fact, the disease... That's caused by vitamin C, vitamin C deficiency, which I'm sure you know, scurvy, is actually, from a symptomatic perspective, very similar to aging. It involves deterioration of the connective tissue and, and osteoporosis and thinning of the skin and uh, cardiovascular health problems. Many of the things that we attribute, many of the signs and symptoms that we attribute to aging are really. The same as the s- subclinical scurvy, and it could be that aging is a form of sub- subclinical scurvy. So taking vitamin C will not only help you build your immune system, but it will also help you with, uh, with all of the effects of aging, including skin health for folks who are, are worried about their skin. Then there's a, a molecule in the body called glutathione, which I'm sure you've heard of. Glutathione is known as the body's master antioxidant plays a major role in the health of the immune system. And using uh, uh, molecules that can help the body build glutathione are also important, the chief one of which is something called glutamine. Glutamine is an incredibly vital amino acid for building tissue. It also plays a role in supporting the immune system. You find glutamine either as straight powder in the health food store or on the Internet, or you can get it in high-protein foods. uh, The glutathione molecule is turned on by selenium which also plays an important role in the immune system. Selenium deficiency is quite common, and uh, selenium is uh, a little bit hard to find in foods, but you can supplement with it quite readily. The best form of selenium is selenium monomethionine or chelated selenium. You want about 600 micrograms a day or, uh, of selenium. Then there's the foods uh, that you can eat that can help support the immune system. Oh, I should also tell you vitamin D has been in the news a lot. The best way to get your vitamin D is from the sun. Supplementing with vitamin D is not as, uh, it's not a, as an effective way as, of getting vitamin D into your system as making your own vitamin D, which is made in response to the interaction between cholesterol in your skin and ultraviolet rays, specifically UVB ray. Ironically, that's the ray that is blocked by sunscreen. So the more sunscreen you're wearing, the more likely you're going to be to be deficient in vitamin D, which is a whole other story. So getting out in the sun or getting a sun lamp for folks who live uh, in areas where there's not a lot of sun in the wintertime, getting yourself a UVB sun lamp, which is ready, readily available on the Internet, that can have, um, have immune-boosting properties, immune-boosting effects. Then uh, also essential fatty acids are the molecules of inflammation and anti-inflammation, omega-6s and omega-3s. And ESA deficiency is, very, is quite common. Uh, also, vitamin A. Uh, is pr- in fact, vitamin A is well-known as an antiviral vitamin. When there's, a, when there's a measles epidemic or measles outbreak in the third-world country, the World Health Organization will actually send vitamin A. And vitamin A deficiency is, is, is pretty common, too. Interestingly, the fat-soluble vitamins, vitamin A and vitamin D uh, specifically, and also essential fatty acids, uh, those require a little bit of – there's a, some complexity in how the body processes those. Fats, uh, the fatty nutrients have to be processed. So it's more complicated for the body to process the fatty nutrients than the water-soluble nutrients like the B complex and vitamin C. You got to have you got to have a healthy gallbladder. You got to have a healthy liver. Your intestine has to be working correctly. There's various transport mechanisms that are involved in getting vitamin, uh, fatty vitamins into the system. Uh, that a lot of people, as we, as they get older, especially uh, or as the pro- as problems with uh, nutritional deficiencies start to accrue are gonna have issues absorbing and assimilating fat-soluble vitamins, so you may need digestive enzymes with your fatty nutrients. And speaking of malabsorption, fat malabsorption issues, probiotics are also very important, and probiotics, good bacteria, are key players in immune system health. In fact, that may be their most important role in the body, and dysbiosis is incredibly common. Unfortunately, way too common, as are intestinal problems in general, but specifically uh, issues with gut bacteria, secondary to fluoride and chlorine and antibiotics whether taken intentionally or found in the water so making sure you're using a good probiotic supplement and then also prebiotics which can help support uh, which can help support the, the good bacteria in the gut you can see how how many different things there are right we have the idea there's just vaccines and, and hydrochloroquine there's so many different yeah that's that fascinating you can take if you want to build the immune system uh let, much let me interrupt you for a second beta.
1: ben and ask you one yeah. one quick question I've heard about um, a lot of times children that get the flu or even it's believed potentially with COVID, they one of the risks they have is this so-called cytokine storm. Uh, yeah. I've read that certain vitamins should be administered to kids uh, throughout the year just to prevent this. Can you um, you know elucidate? Is that factual or is that more uh, just a myth? No.
2: Is, I didn't quite understand the question. The cytokine storm is definitely a factor and there's things you could do to prevent that. Vitamin C is one of the best supplements to sort of strengthen the immune system so it doesn't have to be as jumpy. The cytokine storm is a sign of a jumpy immune system, a more robust immune system. If you have a more robust immune system, you're going to mitigate the
1: risks of the cytokine storm.
2: But I didn't quite understand the question about children
1: or the relevance of children. Okay, so I understood that the cytokine storm was more of a concern in children, but you're, you, I no. understand basically you're suggesting it could be throughout life. Adults can have that as well.
2: Absolutely, absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, that's, and you'd that's recommend children major. and adults take vitamin C for that? Absolutely.
2: And kids, heck yes. And kids who uh, get ear infections are going to be more likely, chronic ear infections are going to or have asthma or eczema, or food allergies for that matter, are going to be more likely to, to, have to, to be dealing with cytokine storm issues. So what you want to do is you want to have an immune system that's robust, an immune system that's strong, an immune system that's able to handle things. When the immune system is not strong, that's when you run into issues with, with jumpiness, either in the form of allergies or skin problems or uh, cytokine storm issues. So you want to have the immune system strong, is what you're looking for. And staying away from problem
1: foods also is another issue. You know, staying away from yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. You were mentioning food. What yeah, types of foods do you from, say to
2: avoid? Mush, well, mushrooms are probably the, the most well-known immune-boosting foods. They're actually even called medicinal mushrooms, things like reishi, reishi mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms and maitake mushrooms. Mushrooms have something in them called beta-glucan, which I was talking about, which, uh, which I started to talk about here a few moments ago. Beta-glucan is an all-time great immune booster. You can get beta-glucan as supplements. It's also found in grains, cereal grains especially, found in mushrooms, um, but you can also buy it just as a straight supplement. They're actually receptors on immune cells for beta-glucan, and beta-glucan activates the uh, immune cells via this ligand-receptor interaction, which is kind of interesting for something that you just buy in a health food store to be able to to jack up your immune system in this fundamental way. Sugar, by the way, turns down the immune system, so we're talking about processed foods, uh, processed foods are usually high sugar foods, and staying away from sugar is a
0: huge,
2: hugely important strategy for building the immune system. And we know the average American is eating up to 180 to 200 pounds of sugar every year. So that's another factor. Uh, obesity and weight issues are also a factor. Obese folks are, are much more likely to be dealing with COVID issues than, than uh, people who have healthy body weight. So losing weight is important. Fat is very pro-inflammatory. You know. People don't realize this, but your fat is, body fat is actually a, a, horma, a gland. It actually produces hormones and specifically produces pro-inflammatory hormones. So losing body fat is really important. Uh, keeping the circulatory system healthy with things like the B vitamins and all the things we just talked about, vitamin C and essential fatty acids and magnesium. We know that COVID is largely a, a circulatory problem. In fact, in many ways, it's a blood issue as much as it's a respiratory issue. In fact, it may be primarily a blood issue. That might be the, the respiratory problems might be secondary to blood issues. You've, you've heard of the bluish people getting blue COVID toes and such with, uh, mm-hmm. with COVID a lot, a lot of that implicates the circulatory system. And there's a lot of folks who feel like we're treating it as a respiratory problem. When we really should be treating it as a circulatory problem.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. Why do you think there's been this shift? Do you think people just rely too much, you know, on Western medicine and you know, what we now just assume are, uh, medicines we can buy over the counter. Why has there not been uh, as much emphasis you know, on this nutrition that you're talking marketing,
2: about? Marketing. You know, people. We've advocated our authority, our health authority, to to the powers that be, and through marketing and 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 the the drumbeat, the constant drumbeat of medicalization on television and media. It's easy for us to think that all we got to do is just go get a pill. Oh, go go get a vaccine. You know, I mean. I don't know if you watch the news, but if you do, it's hard to it's hard to avoid the idea. Unless you know, unless you study these kinds of things, it's hard to avoid the idea that all you got to do is be vaccinated and all will be well, or wear a mask and all will be well. That's not how it works. Our, we have an immune system that should be able to handle these things. As it turns out, the SARS virus is not really a very powerful virus. It's a contagious virus, but it's not really that powerful. So some people who will have have issues with it. But the vast majority of people, if they contract it, are going to either be asymptomatic or, or mildly symptomatic. And that's well over 95, 96, 97 percent of people that get it. There is a sliver of folks who will have issues and, and people aren't sure why. But I would say nutritional deficiencies play a role. I would say lifestyle plays a role. I would say psychological issues could play a role. Why people have, have, have not decided to take responsibility to the masses of people. A lot, a lot of people have to take responsibility for it. And in a way, this is kind of a wake-up call for folks. We're hearing more about the immune system. You know, last year at this time, probably half as many people knew about the immune system as they know about it today. And by the way, uh, I forgot to mention this. Melatonin, you know about melatonin for sleep, right? Yeah, it's turning out that melatonin is one of the all-time great immune-boosting supplements. In fact, they gave Donald Trump, when he had COVID, that was on his protocol was melatonin. Wow. Isn't
1: that interesting? I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. I heard about him taking the zinc and the monoclonal antibodies and you know, yeah. all the other uh, cocktails. And then melato- and melatonin, was, yeah,
2: melatonin was
1: one of the supplements he took.
2: So in a way, we're starting to wake up to the power of our bodies. We're starting to wake up to the power of our immune systems. And we're starting to wake up to the impotency, in a way, of the medical strategies that we're, we've come to rely upon. And it's not really, it shouldn't be a shock to folks because with all due respect, and a lot of my, I have a lot of friends who are physicians. This is not a knock on physicians, but with all due respect, we have more physicians per capita in this country than any, than in the history of the planet. But at the same time, we are the most obese. We are the most cancer ridden. Our life expectancy is dropping by almost every single marker of health that you can name. In terms of health statistics, are we're, we're at the bottom of the list of industrialized countries. So it should be no surprise that we we suffer we're suffering more deaths and more uh, greater incidence of infections than any other country in the world at the same time. So our medical strategies are great for what I call heroic medicine, like if you need to have knee surgery or you get to have a heart attack, God forbid, or some, some a piece of your body falls off, we can stitch it back on. The technologies that are available to us, medical technologies that are available to us through surgeries are, are, are mind-blowing. They're so impressive. But at the same time, our ability, the medical model's ability to deal with chronic long-term degenerative diseases is abysmal. It gets an A-plus in terms of heroic medicine and an F-minus in terms of its ability to, to deal with chronic long-term and lifestyle diseases. And that's no knock on the medical model because it shouldn't be the role of the medical model to help people with their blood sugar. It shouldn't be the role of the medical model to help people with digestive health issues. Medicine isn't equipped to be able to handle those kinds of issues. It's able to handle emergencies, and that's great. But in terms of how we live our lives, that should be our business, that should be the business of the individual.
1: This is just so fascinating. So when you're mentioning all these supplements that are available and, you know, how we can kind of take control of our bodies naturally, you know, how does the vaccine fit into that? Now, certainly, you know, the vaccine is there. What are your thoughts with regard to the blood? Dr. Finale,
2: the blood is the sacred space. There are so many ways that the body protects the blood. Nothing's supposed to get into the blood. When you inject something through the skin, you're bypassing everything you're bypassing all of the body's evolutionarily mandated mechanisms for keeping the blood clean. You're putting it right into the blood. Now, if you have some kind of life-threatening issue and you need to have a medicine put in there, I can understand that. Or if you're suffering from acidosis or some kind of health challenge, you need to have potassium or electrolytes stuck in there, I can understand that. But to be vaccinated prophylactically for something that affects a sliver of the population, to, to vaccinate an entire population for something that affects a sliver of it, is so foolhardy to me, just, just conceptually. Then you get into what's in the vaccine. Do people have any idea what's in the vaccine? You think there's just RNA in the vaccine? There's excipients in the vaccine. There's fillers in the vaccine. The RNA itself has to be coated with a, a complex witch's brew of fats in order for, to keep the body from degrading it. And then on top of all of that, doctor, you're tweaking your genetic, the genetics of every one of your cells. This is craziness to me. You're putting, you're modifying your genes. You're making human beings into genetically modified organisms. We are now becoming GMOs. How can this possibly be good for us? All in the name of protect, and by the way, it does not protect, it does not prevent infection. It does not prevent transmission. It reduces symptoms. you there's no, there's no way to protect against infection here. People are gonna be infected. And that's a whole other issue. Do you know what viruses are? There are viruses everywhere. There are ten to the ninetieth viruses on planet Earth. Every if the Earth were a sponge, it would be saturated with virus. Viruses like a sponge is saturated with water. Our very genetics are ten to twenty to almost fifty percent viral. We are swimming in viruses. We are swimming in an ocean of viruses. They're everywhere. You can't defend yourself against these things. You, what you want to do is you want to strengthen your body. As far as the vaccine goes, you are playing with fire. They, this thing was tested for a month, Doc. Can you believe this? It was tested for a month. We have no idea the long-term implications of this thing. And this 94%, 95% effective. Yeah, yeah. Do you know the, not, the 95% effectiveness thing? Have you heard this one? Has you know, you know, anybody have any idea how they came up
1: with that number? It's absurd. So they, they, so they compare they the placebo to, the, to the, the trial, the vaccination group, right?
2: Kind of, sort of. They took, they took 44,000 or so uh,
1: pa- uh, patients
2: or uh, participants. And of that 44,000, around, I think it was about uh, 100 of them got the virus. 94 of the people who got the virus were not vaccinated. And uh, six of them were. And from that, they, assur- they came up with a number, 94% effective. Right. Uh, I, the convoluted nature of that, I still can't figure out exactly how that works. Let alone, the whole <laughs> test was for two months. <laughs> it's craziness, all just to reduce your symptoms, doctor. This is not to prevent transmission or infection. It's to reduce your symptoms for an, a virus that only, I don't even know, 0.6% of the population is going to be symptomatic with.
1: Yeah, just fascinating this, perspective. Yeah.
2: It's craziness. It's absolute craziness. But the thing is, Doc, I don't know how many people listen to your podcast, but I know tens, hundreds, maybe a hundred million people watch the news every day. And they're not going to hear any of this. They're just going to hear about the vaccine. And they're going to hear about government spokespeople telling you, you've got to get vaccinated. And they're going to hear Joe Biden say everybody has to get vaccinated. And you're not going to be able to get on a plane unless you're vaccinated. You're not going to be able to go to a concert unless you're vaccinated. You're not going to be able to get certain jobs unless you're vaccinated. Pretty soon you're not going to be able to go to Whole Foods unless you're vaccinated. I I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it's very possible. (laughs) This is what's on the way. Well, this has
1: been absolutely fascinating, and I love the perspective that you're bringing out to this. We have a couple minutes left. What are, what are some things that you're thinking about, or you foresee in the medical and healthcare industries, uh, whether it's natural or actually pharmaceutical, uh, going into 2021? What are you looking at? I think I think people are waking up to the fact that there's
2: there's things that they can do. I'm not the only person talking about this kind of stuff, and people are waking up to the idea that there's lifestyle changes that can be made in order to take care of their to take care of, carry their own health water to take care of their own business. We have to learn to become our own health authority. The so word authority, the, the root of the word authority is author. So when you have an authority, somebody's writing something. When you have, when you have, uh, uh, trust in authority, you're trusting in somebody to write your story for you. What we want to do is we want to be our own health authorities. We want to write our own health story. And the beautiful thing about it is, Doc, is not only will that not only will that make us more powerful in our lives, but it will begin to give us a sense of, of awe and a sense of respect, a sense of honor for the human body. If We've got 100 trillion cells. Each cell is capable of producing 100,000 different molecules or, or proteins a second. Each cell has compartments in it that are constantly being constructed and reconstructed. Each cell is shape-shifting countless times a second And you've got 100 trillion of them, and they're all communicating with each other. The awesomeness of what we are, the miraculous nature of what is right under our noses is so mind-boggling that the more we study it, the more we'll just want to just get on our knees and praise whatever God or divine force or whatever it is that put this thing together. And that's what I see happening is we're going to start to have – we're going to start to develop a respect – for what the human body is capable of, for what we are capable of,
1: for what biology really is. Ben, thanks so much for bringing those perspectives. I mean, it is just so important that people start to take control of their lives. I, th- I agree with you 100%. I think people are overly dependent on the pharma industry and they don't take enough or do enough to help themselves naturally and just educating themselves if for no other reason, just to learn exactly what you were saying today, how they can help themselves by taking supplements, eating the right foods. It's been great having you. Ben Fuchs, Thank you, Dr. nutritional Thank you, pharmacist, John. please check him out on the Bright Side radio show. Excellent. One of the best interviews we had. Thanks so much for your time today, Ben.
2: Thanks, Dr. Finelli. I appreciate it.
1: Take care. You too. Have a great day. This is Dean Finelli on Politics and Life Science Radio, and we had the pleasure to talk to Dr. Ben Fuchs today, Mr. Ben Fuchs today.
0: Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences